The Lessons Learned for Vets podcast is proud to be brought to you by AFMA, the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. Established in 1879, they are the longest standing nonprofit association empowering military families with affordable financial solutions for generations. Offering life insurance, wealth management, mortgages, survivor assistance, and other benefits, AFMA is here to support you through every stage of life. AFMA is dedicated to helping service members be financially and logistically ready for life after the military. To support you in this process, AFMA would like to offer you their free downloadable transition timeline, a step-by-step guide to help you create a comprehensive military transition plan. Let AFMA help you get ready for your next step by visiting afma.com backslash LL4V. That's A-A-F-M-A-A.com slash LL, the number four, V or clicking the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, your military transition debrief from the veteran mentors who've gone before you. My name is Lori Norris, and I've been teaching veterans how to successfully navigate their military transition since 2005. I'm a civilian who speaks the language of all branches of the U.S. military, and I'm on a mission to educate veterans in the job search marketing process. This podcast shares the military transition hot washes and after action reports of your fellow veterans to smooth your own path out of the military. Well, on today's episode of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, we are bringing you our first military transition Q&A of season four. My guest, I have to be careful not to call her my victim, is Taylor Lau, and she willingly agreed to come and ask me some questions. But we're going to do a little bit of a hybrid because she's out there posting great stuff on LinkedIn, things to make you think, because she's in the midst of her transition right now as well. So Taylor, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself because you're in the midst of your transition right now. So let's talk a little bit about like what branch of the military you served in. What have you done in the military? Like what's your timeline? When are you starting to look for roles? And what do you want to do? What's the big question, right? What do you want to do when you grow up? And like, let's talk about companies you want to target so people can help you make connections. Perfect. So I am a 14 Alpha Air Defense Artillery Officer in the Army. Um, I was mostly Patriot growing up. I was a platoon leader, uh, Patriot Battery Commander. I've been an aide-de-camp. I've been a board recorder uh, for facilitating promotion boards across the Army. Uh, And my last two assignments, I have been an Executive Officer of a Nim Shorad Battalion, and an S3 is where I currently am right now. Okay. Now you're going to have to translate all of that into language that like, you know, because you're army, right? And so like the Air Force may not understand Navy. So let's like, tell me what you want to do next. If the Air Force doesn't understand what I do, we have problems because <laughs> okay, I work okay. with them more than I work with the army. <laughs> um, no. So um, so my background is in air defense, um, short range and um, the more upper tier, the higher uh, the the interceptors that hit other missiles. Um, But so the easy button to me is I go into defense contracting with Northrop Grumman or Raytheon or maybe Blue Halo or something like that. Um, I have been looking into Salesforce. I'm trying to get through a certification for them right now so I can try to get a fellowship. Um, And my timeline, I'm getting out one October is my last official day of active duty. Very exciting. And terminal leave is starting sometime in July, I think. Okay. Excellent. So you're thinking you may go the defense route. Like you said, that is something that's an option, but you're also pursuing Salesforce certifications. There's been, um, so uh, David Nava, do you you know that name? I do not. He is a veteran. He has been on the show before and he does a veterans uh, in Salesforce program. So he is someone you definitely want to reach out to. And get connected with, I think, every month he uh, does a meeting, if I remember correctly, if not weekly. And then also my friend Amber Caleza is also in the process of her Salesforce certifications. And she'd be a great person to connect with and just have some conversations with. So I'll definitely make those connections for you. All right. Well, I'm, I'm excited. So anybody out there listening that understood all those words that she threw at us. And uh, so you work for Raytheon, North of Grumman, 
and you may know of roles that are open and available for Taylor, please reach out to her. We'll put her LinkedIn URL in the show notes. And so reach out, connect with her and let's get that network rolling for her. Okay. Well, I appreciate you agreeing to come on the show. I'm just some random lady that reached out and was like, Hey, I really liked your post. Would you come talk to me? (laughs) And you said, yes. So that's kind of the way that networking goes, right? It's kind of the way that you have to be open to these opportunities of having conversations with random people. And thank goodness you are brave enough to have a conversation with me. So thanks for coming on the show with me. (laughs) Of course. So I hear you brought me some questions, then I have some for you. I did. Perfect. Um, I'm going to try to to remember what I actually wrote down. Um, (laughs) What are the biggest pitfalls that plague transitioning service members as they make their move to the civilian workforce is the first question. Start, Start light. (laughs) no big deal (laughs) so i know that anybody that's listened to more than one episode of the show thinks i'm gonna say focus right and and because i talk about it nonstop, it's like a where's waldo for the lessons learned for vets podcast is like when's Lori gonna say the word focus um but i'm gonna we talk about that one a lot so i want to talk about another issue um that is sometimes plaguing veterans and that is that believing that people are going to be clamoring for you to to hire you simply because you're a veteran. Now, don't get me wrong. The fact that you are a veteran is very valuable. The fact that you have military skills and training is something that will absolutely have a return on investment for an employer. Um, But it's all about how you present those skills and how you present the fact that you're a veteran. You have a very unique skill set, Taylor, and, you know, you're uh, something that, uh, you know, like a defense contractor and the knowledge that you bring could be very valuable to them. Um, If you decide you want to go outside of defense, but you still have, you know, some of those same terminologies that you put that you talked about in your introduction, no one's going to understand that. Right. And so it's all about like you have some amazing transferable skills, but if you don't take the time to help other employers outside of defense understand your value, then you're going to it's going to be a kind of fall on deaf ears. Right. They won't understand how you can add value to their team. And so oftentimes people will say, oh, you're a veteran, you're going to have no problem. And I really believe that the fact that you're a veteran is really valuable and you have amazing skills, but you can't just say, I'm a veteran and expect people are going to fall down at your feet and say, oh, please come work for me. Because most people don't understand, what are your skills? How can you help me? How are you going to be adding value to my team? What makes you cost effective? What's the return on investment for my company hiring you? Those are all the things that you have to focus on in your resume, on your LinkedIn, in your networking conversations, and in your interview answers. And if you don't do that, you may get in the door as a, you know, as a veteran, but it's going to be harder for them to make that hiring decision. And so, yes, be proud of the fact that you're a veteran. Never, ever try to hide that, but don't rely on it. Like the first word in your LinkedIn headline shouldn't say transitioning veteran. I don't even know that I recommend you put the word veteran in your headline. Maybe it goes at the end, but people are going to know you're a veteran when they look at your profile, right? And But like, think about what are you bringing out of the military? What are the skills that are going to transfer for you? And that's what I want you to focus on. So that to me would be one of those pitfalls that I just don't want you to fall into is thinking that your veteran status is the easy button and that's going to immediately get you in the door. Okay. That makes sense. Now I have to go change my entire LinkedIn and my whole identity uh, so that, <laughs> that I can get out of true. it. <laughs> I definitely have transitioning service member on my, on my LinkedIn though. So I definitely, I need to go take care of that. <laughs> I hear that from people all the time. They're like, oh, I heard you say that. Now I got to change my headline. And, you know, again, I I just think that I talk a lot about this, like your resume, your LinkedIn, your interview answers, they're about where you're going and not where you've been, right? And <clears throat> there is not a job out there that is titled transitioning service member. 
there's program managers, there's, you know, um, tech sales professionals, there's um, project managers, there's operations managers, there aren't transitioning service member jobs. And so, you know, the word transitioning, I had I heard this the other day, someone asked them like, so when's the operation? <laughs> I know it. So just it means something different these days, doesn't it? Yeah. And so we just need to be careful with <clears throat> how we're how we're communicating with the world and make your LinkedIn headline about where you're going next and how you can help in that next step for you. So, okay. But you don't have to change your identity. I have no idea what that is. I'll figure it out. <laughs> oh, now we got to talk about focus again. Do I need to talk to you about the importance of focus? What is a squirrel? <laughs> Um, definitely. I, I fully, uh, acknowledge that, that I really need to stop doing that to, um, fully understand the, the need to, to look forward because it was, it was a great opportunity and it taught me a lot of soft skills, but it, it won't get me a job. So, yeah. Okay. You have another question for me? I do. <laughs> um, okay. Well, here, we're going to use this word again. Uh, if a transitioning service member only has enough time to focus on one thing, what would you say that one thing should be? See, this is a t- this is where you're throwing me those hard, you know, those fast curveball kinds of things. It's a tough one because all of those things are important, right? And and it really truly depends on the individual situation. Like everybody knows my rule, right? The number one most important thing in a military transition is figuring out your focus, because until you know that, everything else is harder, right? Like. I- what do I put on my resume if I don't know what I'm targeting? What do I put on my LinkedIn? What? How do I start preparing for interviews? Who do I network with? All of that is driven from your focus. And so once you have that focus figured out, I would say building a network is probably your next most important thing. But that takes time. Network is like starts off as like a little tiny snowball that has to roll downhill to to get some momentum. So building a network isn't something you can do in two weeks. So if you're really in a short timeline, that's probably not the the best way, the best thing to do. Um, And then if I had to like wait a LinkedIn profile or a resume, that would be really hard for me because they're equally important. Um, They're so intertwined and they've got to support each other. So I can't even pick between those two. See, so I'm not I'm not following the rules very well. Um, I think you should have both of those things. But let's just say, like you find yourself short on time. Maybe you're getting like unexpectedly med boarded and you only have weeks instead of years or months, right? Because we, you know, we often say like 18 to 24 months. That's two years that to get yourself ready. Um, so if you find yourself in that situation, where you're very short on time, I would say your first most important step is to figure out what's next for you. Not for the rest of your career, but where can you land a job next? Because you, I want you to figure out what makes the most sense for you to target as soon as you leave the military. And so that you can continue keeping a roof over your cute doggy's head house head right so um so you can keep feeding your family so you can you know maintain your lifestyle right so you've got to figure out like what's next not what's forever but like what job can you take to keep you fed and in your house and and your family and yourself safe right so once you figure out like what what can i do next i would say sit down and write a resume and fill out your LinkedIn that translates your military skills and kind of showcases like why you're qualified to do that job. So, and start applying, start applying with that translated resume and LinkedIn and, and land that first job. And then once you have that offer in your hand and you've got a job, then you know your family is going to be fed. You know you're safe. Um, you know your your lifestyle is, is okay. Then you can start building a network. Then you can keep looking, right? Then you can start thinking about the future and the, the longer term plans 
you know, do I need a cert? Should I go back to school? Um, should I start studying some new software that that's really important to kind of my long-term plan? Um, and keep applying. Just because you have that job in your hand doesn't mean that's where you have to go. And I know that's kind of counterintuitive for people who are loyal, right? And that's that's really, as a, a service member, as a veteran, you are loyal by nature. Um, but now it's time to watch out for yourself. It's time to be a little more selfish, like we and I talked about, right? Um, and manage your own career. And then, you know, just like then start setting yourself up for the next step, for the the down the road future. But the last time we had Misty Moreno on the show, uh, it was like late last season. I really liked what she had to say. And if you haven't heard that episode, I highly recommend it because she is a very smart lady and she just like kind of cuts through the BS and like tells it like it is. And she said she's stopped looking at five-year plans and she's just planning out each year. Like she sits down at the beginning of the year and says, okay, what's going to happen this year? And then at the beginning of the next year, she does the same thing and just does it one year in advance. Like, do we really need to know what's happening for the next 15 years? It's a lot. It's a lot of pressure, right? And so, and that's why I, I named my education company like Next for Vets because we really just... We want, I just want you to figure out what's next. And then once you get there, then you can look at what's next. And I, I would say the same thing goes for that post-military job search is like, get yourself that first position so that you feel comfortable. You know that you're taken care of financially and, but never like settle in, right? Don't, I don't want you to settle in and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do forever. You don't have to do that. Maybe you land that dream job and you can do that, but just know that the days of like 20 years at a company and your gold watch are kind of gone, unfortunately. They're rare. I won't say they're gone, but they are definitely more rare than they used to be. Um, and so always be ready for opportunities and for threats, right? So like you just never know what will happen. So that would be my, that would be my thing. I, I answered the question really without answering it. Like, they're all important. But if you find yourself short on time, which I know happens out there, I know that people get med boarded or something happens that, you know, um, they have a, a something happen in their life where they have to get out quickly. They don't have that two years to prepare. Um, then I would say the first step order of business is to figure out what you need to get yourself that first job so that you're financially safe and secure and you can start looking for, for what's going to happen after that. So hopefully I answered that question, even though the I didn't focus really should answer be focused. <laughs> yeah, that's so really true. Hey, <laughs> you said focus this time, not me. I'm so excited. <laughs> we need to make a bingo card that we can send around to everybody that has how many like focus and it can say focus three times or, or something like that. I think we should maybe words. start like a betting program. Like at what minute mark is Lori going to say the word focus? So yeah. Or how many times? Like, let's have a print now. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just so important. <laughs> I know Absolutely. I'm a broken record. <laughs> no, there's nothing. Because the more you hear it, the more likely you are to actually act on it or to remember it or to do it. Because if it isn't being said to you 16 times, you're just going to throw it in the back with all of the other things that you don't remember. <laughs> or at least that's how I work. Yeah. Uh, I know, good. My Me too. <laughs> my brain is always like... <laughs> Like a, my brain's like a colander with really big holes and things fall through. That's the way it goes. <laughs> my uh, my cousin, she's a doctor. She says, yeah, well, your your iceberg melts and your penguins fall in. <laughs> so my penguins are just barely floating. <laughs> I got a lot of penguins in my head. <laughs> we stick um, cute, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm about to start throwing them life jackets just to keep them afloat. A <laughs> um. Okay, my last one is, uh, what traits or strengths would you say the civilian world looks for that the military tends to find less desirable? You know, that, that that's a really interesting question. And, and I would say that, like, I don't know if it's necessarily less desirable, but maybe less important to them, right? And I, I think that one of the things I would say here are soft skills. Um, soft skills are kind of always like, oh, that doesn't matter. Right. Do you have the technical skills? Do you can you turn a wrench? Can you, you know, fix a jet that, you know, and while 
I I do believe like technical hard skills are important. I really feel like soft skills set candidates apart and people tend to to discount them and leave them out of how they talk about themselves and how they write their resumes, what they put on their LinkedIn. Like, you know, I feel like soft skills are far more valuable in the private sector than the military gives them credit for, honestly, like skills like communication. Um, And I mean, like, think about the kind of communication you're exposed to in the military. Like, number one, you have a team of people that you didn't get to choose or hire or screen. There's like, here's your people, figure it out, right? And those people are from every corner of the the nation. And you get some international people in there too. There are, um, there are people from all different backgrounds, demographics, you know, I, I think their personalities are different and you got to figure out how to make it work. And so I think they, you may discount the adaptability of your communication skills. And then you think about how often you're out, you know, in a foreign country and having to interact with people or you have contractors or, you know, the, the different personalities that you're exposed to with the leadership that you have. So I wouldn't discount those types of soft skills, things like empathy, right? Like being open to listening to people um, having that empathy for different situations, um, you know, things like getting a team to buy in. Not because they have to, because they're going to get balanced if they don't, but because they want to. You know, like some of those soft skills, I think, are are discounted um, and really are valuable. And then the other thing I would say is like things like work-life balance, right? So I've talked to veterans who go out and they're like, these civilians are lazy, they clock out at five o'clock and they leave and they don't even answer the phone. <laughs> and you, Miss Taylor, shared with me that you're on leave and you may or may not have worked more. Careful what you tell me, right? <laughs> so. And so to you, that that feels like what you should do. It feels like it comes natural to you. And, and you didn't do it because you felt like you had to. You did it because you wanted to. And so I would say that, you know, like, I think, you know, don't necessarily always think that your civilian counterparts are lazy. Maybe they are. I don't know. They could be. There are people that are lazy out there and don't want to work. They do the tiny, just little bit that they can, but they also may just have different priorities than you. Mm -hmm. They also may have things going on that you don't know about, right? Because you don't have to know about it. In the private sector, you don't have to know all my personal details, right? So, which is a great thing about leading in the private sector versus leading in the military is you don't have to get involved with the personal side of things. So I would say that those are like the things that come to mind. Is there anything that you think of that you're like, I don't I don't think this is going to be as important out there is there something you're that kind of like what brought that question to mind that's i'm curious um i think a lot of it stems from as i've gotten closer to this transition and as i've gotten closer i've i watch a lot of tiktoks and i watch a lot uh, on instagram though so my last post i'm a good millennial i watch all of my tiktoks on instagram uh because i don't know how to work tiktok but um one of the big ones that comes out is there's a there's a bunch of um usually women in like the corporate world that will talk about negotiating or they do like the kind of role play with their different characters about setting boundaries and um, uh, enforcing those boundaries in ways that are tactic or tactful and professional, but still maintaining their work-life balance, um, maintaining their knowing their worth and whatnot. I mean, I, it just seems like a lot of times for us, there's no way to enforce a boundary in the military because if you get told to do something, you should shut up and call. Yeah. Or is it the <laughs> hill you want to die on? Or the plethora of other cliche um, things that we say all the time, but it's true. So it's like, at what point is that? That's not something that the military necessarily finds desirable because they feel like you're you're fighting it, you're talking back, you're not following orders, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Whereas it seems like it's a lot more acceptable in the civilian world to say, hey, like, I work these hours. If I'm getting my work done in these hours, that's 
all you get to expect of me unless you decide to compensate me for the additional time that I'm going to put in because I don't owe you my whole entire life. I owe you the time I'm paid for. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's it's true. What brought that up? Yeah, I mean that is that is really true. And you know, there is nothing wrong with putting in your hard work and being dedicated, but there's also nothing wrong with having time off. Like you don't need like your whole life doesn't have to be your work. And um, that I think is the great thing is that you know you do have that those opportunities open to you to to speak up and to stand up for yourself and to advocate for yourself and for um but if you and i'll tell you like i I have i'm thinking of you chris if you're listening so i have a friend who just they kept piling things on him right like he's and he kept taking it and of course they're going to keep giving it to you if you're going to keep taking it. Like, oh, he must be able to carry all kinds of things. Let's give him something else and something else. And he got burned out. And, um, I, you know, that's, you don't have to take all of that. It's okay to say, yeah, I can take on this additional role, but let's talk about compensation. Or let's talk about making me a director and putting two managers under me. And if they're like, oh, we can't do that, like, okay, then I'm gonna just stick with my responsibilities that I'm that I was hired for. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Are you gonna, you know, become like their number one employee that they love so much? Well, maybe not because you stood up for yourself, but you're also not gonna be a burnt out, overworked, underpaid, you know, person who's taken on four people's jobs. And that's okay. If you'll take them, they'll give them to you. For the most part, you know, there are obviously some managers that would not do that to you, but um, yeah, you're making their life easier and you're not costing them any more money. What's their motivation to to yeah. look out for you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the skits was about how, um, you know why you haven't been promoted because you do the work of four people and they'd have to get four people to replace you. So it's cheaper just to leave you there instead of to promote you yep. and have to bring in those those additional people. So. No, I'm like you. I don't want, I don't do TikTok, but I I do Instagram so I can stalk my children, even though they're not children anymore. But I like to see what my daughter posts. She has great art. So, yeah. um, and so I was t- saw the same thing. It was like you know, a guy standing there drinking his coffee. It's like me being upset because I tried really hard and got really good at my job and. Now the boss comes to me for all their problems while everybody around me doesn't try and they get to enjoy their life and leave on time or something like that, Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, I think it is, you got to find that balance and just realize like you don't have to carry that weight on your shoulders. So that's okay. So absolutely. You know, like speaking of value and worth, like you, um, I told you I was going to ask you some questions. So, uh, so you got uh, you had a post the other day that said that you tend to undervalue yourself, right? So um, you just think of like, well, I'm just doing my job, right? Like, why, why is that valuable? And so you think about like, you ask like, am I going to be able to make the same amount in the private sector that I make now, or like? you know, what's my leadership experience worth? And like those types of questions. Tell me a little bit about like what kind of drove you to ask those questions and write that post on LinkedIn. Um, So I think a lot of it, I've been reaching out to some of my former colleagues um, and former soldiers that have gotten out or that have retired um, to kind of see what their experience has been. And one of the trends has been to take credit for the things you have done as their own individual event or or project or thing, and not just as like the overarching um, job that you had. So for example, like when I was a commander, I managed 83 people, um, but I didn't just manage 83 people. I also, you know, had to deal with the logistics of making sure that they were fed and the logistics of making sure that they had housing, um, making sure that their pay was correct and all of the upkeep of the equipment and any kind of upgrades that the system had to have. I was part of that because I had to schedule it and I had to plan. So I was 
doing planning and I was doing logistics and I was doing HR and I was doing kind of all of these different things. But in the army as a commander, like that's just what you do. That's your job. And if you fail in any of those spaces, you fail as a commander and you fail those soldiers. And and it's just not, it's not something to take lightly. But then you look at the civilian world and you're like, what is the equivalent of this? And there really isn't one because there's so many different functions that go into a company to right. make them all work. Um, that So I started kind of thinking about that. Like, what does my ability to multitask and to manage the people who manage the systems and the processes, what does that look like to the civilian world? And, and how does that compare to somebody who maybe went to school for like for Salesforce that they have some kind of very techie background or, or whatnot, and they went to school for that, or they have an MBA, but I know how to manage people that are from different areas to come together for the same goal. So how does that compare in the civilian world? And most of what I found is as long as you can articulate what you have done and why it's important and how it translates into the skills that these companies need, it's not hard to get your foot in the door. It's just understanding how to piecemeal those out and how to take each event and each part of the process for what it is instead of just grouping it all into, well, it was my job as a commander. It was, but there's so many different things that were your job. Yeah. And I think you you literally said it right there is like, once you understand how to articulate it and explain it and explain the value and worth of what you did and just understanding that it, that is on you, right? That is the onus is on you to do that. And once you figure that out, the rest of it kind of falls into place, right? And so you are like, okay, I have to help them understand the weight of what I did and how if I didn't do this, this, and this, here's what would have happened, right? I always talk about when you're writing a resume is like asking that so what question at the end of each bullet, like so what would have happened if you hadn't done that? So what was the value of that? So what was the end result of what you did? And make sure you're talking about those so what aspects of it uh, so that people can understand the importance of it. And that's really your job in translating your terminology is helping someone understand the weight of the responsibility that you carried. And just know that in your next role, you might be a little bit bored. Because as oh, a no. commander, you had all of these things, right? Yeah. And now you're of like this little pie, this little piece of the pie because you have other support people and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I think you might say like, well, I'm doing so much less, but um, I think that it just is that you're used to being spread so thin. There's nothing wrong with kind of coming back to the middle, like taking your rubber band and bringing it back to the the size it's supposed to be. You don't have to be a stretched out rubber band. You mean I could have you, hobbies? Yes. <laughs> you can have some fun. <laughs> so hopefully that helps you to, to understand that and, and see that, you know, there, there is a lot of value to, your experience to your leadership. I truly believe that your compensation level should be pretty comparable, again, depending on the job you're, t you're targeting, right? If you're making six figures as an army officer and you want to go be a teacher, no, right? But if you're looking to stay kind of like like for like, you want to go into a, a mid-level management role, you've been in a mid-level management role, um, and, and so I think you should be able to be compensated, you know, pretty comparatively. And again, the biggest thing is like, go out and research, like, what am I worth? Mm -hmm. Don't approach this transition without doing that research. You've got to know what your value is in the market. Like if I were going to go, I don't know, like sell a rare coin, I wouldn't just walk into the the store and say like, what do you think this is worth? I need to sell it today. I need cash. Well, of course they're going to undervalue because I didn't do my research to see what it's worth. Like it's, so I thought I have like this bag of silver dollars that, you know, in my, in, that my, my father has kept for all his life. And there's like some of them that are rare. Well, you know, they're like 
a dollar that's worth five dollars. You know, it's not like they're worth <laughs> yeah. ten thousand dollars, but they might be. Were, you know, so you never know. Yeah. Someday, someday silver is going to go up again. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you, you got to do your research on yourself the same way. So research salary sites, go out and job hunt, use Glassdoor, use informational interviews, um, lots of different resources that you can use to identify your worth. Don't go into the market not knowing that. It also doesn't help that it's it's area region dependent too. Yes, it is. <laughs> the same that job is in very California true. <laughs> as, in, as in Wisconsin is not the same. Which is also just incredibly interesting to try. But a to house think. in Wisconsin costs a little less than a house it, in California. It does. It does. The winters <laughs> are a little bit worse, but you know, <laughs> just a little. You know, <laughs> uh, is that where you're you're going to be looking? Is in the Midwest or? I don't know. Up until about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I had a plan. I was going to California, um, and and that plan is no longer happening. So now I'm just kind of going where the wind takes me and I'm going to be open to any and all experiences that come my way for the job that's right for me. Okay. All right. Well, it's good. So you had to figure out where you just maybe not Wisconsin. Where I, I do love Wisconsin can... during the summer. Maybe a, you yeah. know, a remote job would be great. So I could summer in Wisconsin and then I could winter not in Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> you know, I could fly south and, and be warm. Is that where you are now is Wisconsin? Are you, no, or... I am in Texas. You're in Texas. Okay. Yep, so it's I'm still cold there, right? It so, is. It is not yeah. fair. I walked outside yesterday and I was like, Texas, what are we doing? Yeah. We had our one week of winter in Arizona last week. So yeah. So <laughs> I think we're done now. I think we're in the <laughs> 60s and 70s now. We're back so, to getting ready for summer. It's fine. Yeah. So we're back to like beautiful weather. Mm-hmm. But we had like, you know, three whole days where it was down freezing at night. Ugh. So that's was, was unbearable. I know. I know. <laughs> Emergency. Um, you, uh, you know, we're just like flowing right here. We were talking about frozen things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Frozen <laughs> right. things. So I love you um, wrote about how you feel like as you're in the transition, you feel like you are walking on a lightly frozen lake. <laughs> yes. And it creaks uh, every time I take a step. <laughs> Those little cracks form. I'll just the thought of that just gives me the literally the chills. So tell me about that. Tell me about that post and kind of where that's coming from. Well, it's it's kind of one of those things where you it's uncharted territory. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if what I'm doing looks right or is right. So I keep trying to kind of attach to somebody who's kind of already made the trip. Um, but with the knowledge that just because they made the trip last year doesn't mean the ice is going to be the same at this point. Um, yeah. So it's mostly for me just about trying to step lightly, but not be not be too scared to keep moving forward, which a lot of times tends to be the problem. Um, I actually had someone use that analogy for me when I was a commander and that I didn't step like I was on like I was on a frozen lake, like that I just walked forward. Um, so I think it's interesting the 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 differences between where where you're comfortable and something that that is your comfort zone and something that is completely not. Um, because in army life, I just walk like it doesn't matter. It could be frozen, it could be asphalt, it could be water. I'm going to walk the same way across it, and I'm going to act like I know what is going on. Uh, when it comes to the personal life and me trying to navigate that part, it is I am not nearly as confident in that ability. Uh, it's almost like when my uniform's on, I've got a little extra armor. Um, and Major Lau is a very different personality than Taylor Lau is, or can be at least. <laughs> um, so just trying to navigate the very tricky, kind of slippery um, waters so that I don't fall in completely and I can still save myself if I need to. Because uh, the last thing I want to do is fall through the ice and not be able to get back up. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, what is the worst that could happen? If you fall in now, obviously in a frozen lake, it's a little different, right? And we're using that analogy, but should you stumble out there in your transition? Should you make a wrong move, step in the wrong place? Like it's not nearly as treacherous as falling into a frozen lake. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, you know, so you go and take a job that you don't like, you can leave. You can quit. Which is wild to know. I know. You can go 
find something else. Mm-hmm. Um, say that you choose the wrong path. You, you can turn around and go a different way. You can take a different fork. fork. Um, you know, so I it, it is not nearly as treacherous as that lake that you told me about in Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, which is fair. It's just the unknown, right? The unknown is always scary. And I think the biggest difference is like with with the unknown in the military, you have your people with you. You're not mm-hmm. doing it by yourself, regardless of which path it is. There's always somebody to your left and right that you can drag with you into the dark. Um, but when you're transitioning out, it's just you. And now all of a sudden you're not thinking about everybody else and you're not thinking about what it, what's at stake for them. You're, you have to think about what's at stake for you. And that's also very scary. Because when you're not used to it, it's it's just such a different feeling to it, it's just such a different feeling to have to move forward for yourself than it is to move a formation forward. And so I guess what I'm going to tell you is you don't have to do this alone either, right? And so anybody that's listening that's in the same boat that maybe you want to walk this path next to somebody, I would say reach out. Right. So, but find that, find that exit buddy, <laughs> you know, like, like in Nemo. Right. So, um, you know, you don't have to do it by yourself. There's so many people that will walk this path with you that will support you, that will reach out and, and, you know, help guide you, but, or just be there to listen. Um, and that's, you know, I, I don't want you to feel like you have to do this alone. Like, I know you're doing it for you. Um, and you know, like do it for who else you have to feed in your house, even if it's that cute dog that you showed me earlier, right? So, and so like, okay, so it's you and your dog, right? And so those are the two people that are walking this path, but there are other people that can light that path along the way. And so, um, you know, you talked to me about your dad earlier, you know, so it's just like, think about like who who else is there with you walking that path and just know that just because you're leaving the army doesn't mean that you're leaving a community. There's still so Mm -hmm. many people and so many um, community members that are willing to help you and, and to help that process. And I just want you to remember that you will, you'll fall, right? You're going to stumble. You're going to make a decision that, you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. But there, it's not going to be irreversible, right? And so um, you're not going to be financially ruined, right? You've got your pension. You've got your disability. You've got your the money you've set aside, right? You're, you've got family to support you. Um, none of those are going to be irreversible changes. And that's the beauty of it all is if you make a bad decision, if you make a wrong turn, you can turn around, you can go somewhere mm-hmm. else, you can do something different. And yeah. I think that is one of the coolest things. And I think it, maybe it's just a like a reframing it, right? Like <laughs> it's unknown and it's scary or is it unknown and it's exciting? Yeah. Yep. And fun and like oh I get to I get to pick <laughs> yeah that's that part's wild um I think it would be a little bit different for me if I was actually retiring I am just getting out I'm only at 12 years so okay I won't have that pension um disability probably some kind but it, I don't think it'll be anything super substantial um you know my my knees have held up pretty pretty decently throughout this whole ordeal which is weird um <laughs> but so I think that that's part of it also though is is understanding that if I just stayed the path for another eight years, you know, that that stability would be there. But eight years is a long time to try to ride something out that isn't gelling with where you want your life to go anymore. Got it. I did not realize that. I apologize. And that's, no, no, you. no, it's okay. Yeah, so, I just, okay. A lot of people think at this point where I'm at that that I am retiring or that I have some some significant reason for getting out and it and, and, you know, it's just one of those things where as a as a major at 12 years, it's just it's just time the, you know, it, you always kind of happens. know when it's time to hang it up. And and for me, it's just time. So um, but yeah, that's and my dad wouldn't be walking path with me. He would be 
gloating at me going, you should probably just turn around and go back and get your last eight years and retire. <laughs> and you know what? It doesn't necessarily mean that can't be an option in a different That's, way. Right. Yeah. And so I just want you to remember that. I just like there are so many options open to you. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, you know, you come out with a very valuable skill set. And I think you already know how you're going to have to explain it. And but you will make mistakes. You are not going to fall into the middle of Lake Michigan. I promise. That would be cool. <laughs> And but you might you know like you might do like your dog like you know close to the shore fall in right or fall in a puddle (laughs) yeah that's okay Um, but you can pick yourself up and dust yourself off and I love that you said like as someone who's used to making bold career moves to be timid like just the fact that you're choosing to leave at 12 years on your own terms is a bold move and I don't think that you should change who you are at your core because this is unknown. I think you should continue to be your bold, brave self that does things that people don't expect. So there you go. I like <laughs> All right? that. I'll do my best. You, you talked about like how, why you made the decision and, you know, you said that's a story for another day, but you've come to the realization that the army will roll on without you. Mm-hmm. Right. What yep. what kind of led to that for you, that realization? Um, there were a lot of things. Um, there were, I don't, I don't necessarily know how to describe it. A lot of, so a lot of this kind of started probably four years ago or so, maybe three and a half. Um, so, so as I came out of command, command was by far the best time of my career. I did 27 months. It was incredible. We got a deployment. I got to watch my little younglings grow up and become big kids and certify and do all these great things that they never thought they would do. Um, But there was so much fulfillment and so much like pride wrapped up in that, that when that was gone, all of a sudden there wasn't that same professional fulfillment for me or personal fulfillment because I kind of wrapped everything up in there. So then as you start to move forward into these other jobs that aren't quite as fulfilling, that don't give you the same feelings, that don't give you the same emotions, and you're trying so hard to find those again, you you kind of hit a wall, or at least I hit a wall. Um, so instead of having hobbies or friends or people to kind of fall back onto and board games to play and, you know, golfing or I don't know what people do for hobbies, um, <laughs> I was just trying to dig myself into work. And then it got to a point where it became too much and I burned out. Um, yeah. And I burned out hard. So... As I started to burn out, one of the things that my leadership kept telling me um, and my my great battle buddy, my the other field grade in the in the battalion is absolutely fantastic. Um, we will take care of it. It'll be okay. Take your time. Take a minute. Go do this. If you have an appointment, go do this. And it's just understanding that while I feel like I'm failing my soldiers, my shop, my unit, I'm not because the work's going to get done whether I'm there or not. And there are always incredible young leaders that are willing to take up the slack and be in charge and do what they're taught to do, which is lead when their leader is gone. Um, so it just kind of con- but it just kind of made me realize more and more um, that the army doesn't care when Major Taylor Lau leaves. Yeah, they care about me while I'm here, and then they are going to say goodbye, good luck. And never talk to me or think about me again. And it's necessary because obviously the army is not a joke and it's not something that can be super sentimental and super stuck around very specific people because that's dangerous. Yep. Uh, but just remembering and understanding that my attachments to the organization are my attachments to the organization. It does not go both ways. So it's time to kind of more so take care of me and let the army keep rolling along the way that it always does. I love it. I, you know, I think that once you realize that, that it it will go on without you, it's almost freeing, right? Like, I know that you do great work and I know that you have an important role in the army. But imagine if our country's defense, if the United States Army hinged on how well you did your job, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That would not be a very secure nation that we have. So it would not. Um, you are important in your branch of the military. You are doing valuable work, but you are not an island. You are not the sole support for that organization. Um, but you are the sole support for your cute dog. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> right? I am. And so oh. uh, she needs you too. And yeah. so you are the, the, the most important part of your family units universe. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, you've got to prioritize. And I, I love that the dedication and the loyalty, but you got to make sure that this is a two way relationship. Yep. So. I've been I've been doing a lot of research on, you know, toxic relationships and whatnot and and, <laughs> and friendships and all that stuff. So one way uh, one way love to, isn't isn't the way to go for, for me, at least at this point. But one yeah. of the things I always used to tell myself and I used to joke around was I want my goal in life is to be the most replaceable person in any organization that I'm in, because if I'm not the most replaceable, I haven't done my job appropriately and I haven't given enough uh to the people coming up because I may not always be there. Um, and the last thing I want is to be woken up at three o'clock in the morning for something that my assistant S3 could have answered because they're so scared to step out of line or to, to do the wrong thing that they feel like they have to call and wake me up. I want them to be more afraid of waking me up than making a bad decision. <laughs> I love it. So all of you listening, go out there and make yourself replaceable. Because that means you're being a good leader. That means you are being an effective contributor to the future of the people around you as well. Um, I love that. That's a perfect place to end. I appreciate you, Taylor, so much for <laughs> responding to my crazy message and agreeing to come on and, and spend this time with me. I love the the information you're sharing about your journey. And I highly recommend anybody out there to follow her take a listen of what she's saying. She has some good stuff to say. And if you have any opportunities out there that you think Taylor would be a good fit for, please reach out to her. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. If you learned just one lesson today that you believe can help you in your military transition, then I've done my job. Please don't keep this podcast a secret. Share it with as many of your active duty service member friends and transitioning veterans who may be struggling with that process as possible. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and join our YouTube channel so you don't miss any lessons that we share.